Hey there, and welcome to the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, episode 21, where two diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. Real, family-friendly, and positive. Get involved. Get involved. Mitchell, how has your week been? Uh, my week's been good this week, um, yeah. up until Friday night when the Waratahs played. Not talk about it, please. We are <laughs> not Waratahs. Okay, so who are we going for this week? Uh, Brumbies. Brumbies, Brumbies fans. Going. Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm going for the Crusaders um, this week. What about before Friday night then? What did you get up to? Things were good? Yeah, just, just a general week really. Working and watching rugby and following rugby on all social media platforms and that kind of thing. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's good. Actually, week. mate, let's just jump into that. What are our social media platforms if people want to hit, hit yeah, us? Yeah, what a segue. So on Instagram, oh, no. we are at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore B. And we're also on Facebook at pick and drive rugby podcast. So we've got a page there where we're posting our picks and we're posting all our interaction. And we would love for you guys to give us a like and a follow and get involved and, and start chatting and responding to us because we love hearing from you all and we love to put your comments and, and your opinions up on the pod. Sounds great, mate. Yeah, really, really enjoy the interaction with the crowd. Um, this week's pod is going to be probably a little bit shorter. Um, we're needing to record a bit early this weekend. So the Blues game is actually, Blues Chiefs game is actually happening right now. Um, so we might give you an update at the end of the pod. We'll have a quick chat about that, maybe. But we're going to be primarily talking as an Aussie rugby podcast about the two Super Rugby AU games before we briefly, and that's from round four of the competition, before we briefly touch on the first game, the Hurricanes versus Crusaders Super Rugby Aotearoa round seven. So that's it for the basic run. But before we move on, we're not going to do a full news segment. We just wanted to give everybody a quick update about the possible domestic competitions for 2021 because it was a point of a fair bit of angst last week in the rugby circles. Yeah, so a fair bit of anger coming out of you, Ando, on this one. Oh, mate. <laughs> bit of a fired up Ando we had. Oh, look, yeah. It, yeah, I won't, I won't dredge that up again. Don't but basically, it. my opinion, I mean, really, I just want to talk about this gone a little bit vindicated. Um, <laughs> there's been reports coming out of the UK and South Africa. Basically, um, being quite negative towards New Zealand and the way that the communication has happened with New Zealand from New Zealand. So you've had reports over in the UK in the Times and in other papers basically pointing out the um I'm not sure if this this probably isn't the word they use, but it's how we're describing last week, the arrogance of the New Zealand kind okay. of board management. Word. Yeah, it's good. Um in the way that they pitched their offer. And now, like we said last week, there was some truth behind New Zealand superiority in a rugby sense. Like, you can't deny that. But the manner in which it falls. And that's what a lot of the English papers have been pointing out over the last few days. But then also, out of South Africa, there's been a bit of chat from, uh, I think it was one of their Sanzar reps, uh, saying that, well, everybody's saying that South Africa is kind of moving north, but it's New Zealand that's pulled out of Super Rugby. So don't claim it was South Africa when New Zealand have torn apart Super Rugby by leaving. So that was just an interesting point to put out there as well. Like, fair enough, South Africa haven't done anything yet. It's New Zealand that have made them to come out. What did you reckon about those two couple of points that I've just raised? Yeah, well, definitely um, it's interesting to hear the perspective from the other nations that we as Australians sort of took it quite harshly ourselves and thought... New Zealand was being quite arrogant and, and rude to us and sort of offering this little little chance, sort of giving us a little bit of a window to sort of fit our competition into theirs. Um, 
so yeah, it was, it was interesting to see that. I, I find what's most interesting about this whole chat is that first of all, there's so many different opinions going around. No one mm. knows where we're actually going to head, but every sort of media, media article you speak to has a different opinion and is, um, or you read, sorry, not speak to, but everyone you, every uh, media outlet has a different opinion of this and has a different point in the sort of discussion that they're focusing on, whether it be the fact that New Zealand's trying to kick us out, they get sort of upset by that, or they get upset by the idea that um, Australia needs to do their own thing. And yeah, it's just, it seems like no one has really got a unified clue as to what the best solution going forward is. And we really, we know, we kind of know New Zealand's stance. Rugby Australia hasn't come out officially and said anything. They're just sort of like, well, we are in the, we're still talking to the New Zealand rugby union and we're, we're in the process of negotiations and things, but everyone you talk to within the rugby sphere fans all have a different idea of what they'd like to see next year, which I think is really, really interesting. Yeah. And I guess it just shows you in a way what the current climate is, which is one of an opportunity. Mm. It is an opportunity for something new to come up because even if super rugby even if everybody agreed to stay in super rugby, like you just can't do the international travel. Well, I think that's probably, that's the one point that everyone is of the same opinion that the current format isn't going to work. So it can't work. work, Exactly. So at least we're unified on that front, but we've got people saying that Australia needs to do their own thing. Other people saying that we need to be in the New Zealand comp in some way, even if they're only giving us two spots, then we'll take those two spots. Other people are saying that it needs to be a five, five, you know, 10 team competition as it currently kind of is. It's yeah, just or a so. Five, five, two. So you got Pacific yeah, or a, an eight or an whatever, something. seven or eight yep. team. So yep. um, yeah, who knows where we are, but currently as we sit as, as of Sunday afternoon, there's been no official release of what's happening. Um, but yeah, maybe in another week or two, we might have a further idea of where, what rugby will look like next year. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there for now. And why don't we move in and actually begin our chat on the Super Rugby AU games? Let's do it. So round four of the Australian Super Rugby competition kicked off on Friday night with the first game that saw the Waratahs host the Rebels at the SCG. Now, the final score for this one, unfortunately for us Waratahs fans, was 29-10 to the Rebels. So there was a 19-point deficit. Uh, by the Waratahs and before we dive into the rugby chat we'll just go through the picks for last week so I said (laughs) that the Waratahs would win by three and we said the Waratahs by seven on our socials we've got picks from Carlos who said the Waratahs by eight and Brian Knight said the Rebels by three so well (laughs) done to Carlos because oh no sorry he went went to Brian sorry just looked at the the highest number there no Brian well done he's gone for the Rebels I mean look Look, let's be honest. He's the closest, but he's still what? A long way off. 16 points off. So, <laughs> no, but he gets he gets um, the chocolates in this one. He's got the he, does. he picked he it right. Well done. <laughs> so this um just as a general overview of this game, I think this is something as Waratahs fans that we would like to forget and bury in the past and just not dredge up again for a very long time. This was not a good performance at all by the Waratahs. What were your thoughts of this one, Ando? Look, my thoughts right now of this one, don't ask me what my thoughts were um, on Friday night at about oh, I've, night. I've got them um, documented. Don't worry. I've got them as text form. <laughs> okay, let's start with my thoughts so, right now. As, a, we'll as, it, as we um, move on to, um, to the rugby, rugby podcast uncut later on, we might start reading some of those texts out. <laughs> 
Yeah, we should do an adult zone and not suitable for the car version. Um, <laughs> we actually show some of the text. We, anyway, my thoughts right now, I was thinking about it before we jumped on. And this is the worst that the Waratahs have played so far in Super Rugby AU. Oh, I would you think say? so? Oh, in AU, yeah. sorry. Yes. Okay. Super Rugby not this AU. Year. Yes. Correct. Super Rugby AU. And we only lost by 19. Only. Think of the Chiefs game and the Brumbies game where we got absolutely destroyed and gave away in a region of 30, 40 more points. Uh, look, I just don't... Yes, okay, it was a bad game, but we're still better than we were earlier at the start of the full Super Rugby. So, yeah, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as it had been earlier in the season. So I'm clutching at straws here, if you see where I'm going. So it was but... bad, but it wasn't the worst. Correct. Okay, yes. all right. <laughs> okay, so now that's, that's my current feeling. But basically, okay. at the time of the game... I was incredibly frustrated. And I think I was incredibly frustrated for a few related but separate reasons. Okay. Number one, the Waratahs were not playing well at all. There were so many basic mistakes that were being made. And those took the form of silly penalties, like not being back half a step in the defensive line and getting called mm -hmm. for offside multiple yep. times. Yeah. Or um, Hooper driving through the side of a mall or something yep. like that. Or side, or just side entry into the breakdown. Or side entry. So, so basic penalties that you really need to be better and just not give those away because you're a professional and you should mm -hmm. be able to do that. Um, partly it was because the Rebels were playing fantastically. And well, not fantastically. I would say they were playing with control yep. and maturity. They dominated they, the areas. Yeah. They starved the Waratahs of the ball and I think frustrated the players leading to many of those stupid penalties. But also, and this is the thing that annoyed me so much, is that there were multiple refereeing decisions that were just like incredibly, I don't know how to say this wrong in a different way. I'll just say it. Angus Gardner blatantly got it wrong on yes, multiple yes. times against the Waratahs. And I tried to take my blue um, lenses out of my glasses. And <laughs> I went back and watched a few of the penalties that I was, at the time, I wrote down. I was like, no, I yeah. got that wrong. And I watched them back. And I was like, was I right? Or was I just angry and seeing things that weren't there? And I'm like, no, actually, I was right. And so I'll, when we talk about the game in a bit more detail, I'll mention a couple of them. Yeah, but I've, got, yeah I've got some points to say about them too. <laughs> so that's me, mate. That's where I'm at. I'm a bit more measured and controlled now, acknowledging the qualities of the Rebels and the failures of the Waratahs. Yep. But I was just frustrated on Friday night. And that's probably the feeling that a lot of fans had of, of the Waratahs, I guess. Yeah, it, um, the, the biggest frustration I had was, as you said before, that they were making simple errors and they were yep. doing things just poorly. But the mm. fact was that last week we came off such a strong performance against the Brumbies and then they put this in. And yep. it's, not, it's not something that we're, not, that we're unfamiliar with as Waratahs fans. I think that has been a, um, a trend for probably the last five years that we've been putting in a good performance one week and we get smashed the next. So we only have to look back maybe, I, I think it was last year, it might have been the year before, but we hosted, it, it was last year. The Waratahs hosted the Crusaders in Sydney at the SCG and we beat them. And yep. then the next week we played the Sunwolves up in Newcastle and we got beaten. So mm -hmm. again, we're seeing one really good performance where sort of everything went really well. 
And then the next week, they just can't match that level and they just do everything wrong. And I don't get it because we've got a new roster. We've got a new coaching setup. We've got maybe three players in that Waratahs mix, four that were have been with the team more than three years. So they haven't mm. got this kind of baggage that comes across to get into this mind frame of play really well one week, play really crap the next. I don't yeah. know what it is. And it's just so frustrating. They played so yeah, well last I mean, week and it was just the basic things that they did wrong this week. So they were not dominant in the scrums. They were losing their own ball in the lineouts. They had no idea what they were doing when they had possession of the ball. The, the, brum, the um, Rebels were winning the, the breakdown contest all the time. They turned over so much ball at the breakdown. And then when they did have the ball on the probably five or six times, they kicked it away first phase. So it's like they didn't want to play with the ball. It's like they were happy to just let the Rebels run at them. But then their defense as well wasn't up to it to kick them out and to stop them scoring points. Yeah, so if we look at some of the match stats, and I won't go through every single one, but there are a few that are pretty telling. Um, Firstly, you look at the possession and territory across the entire game. It was possession, 29% to the Waratahs, 71% to the Rebels. Territory, 25% to 75% Waratahs, Rebels. and then you look at the meters run, 165 meters run to the Waratahs, 527. <laughs> so it's literally more than three times the amount. And it's just really challenging. Like this is when you look at those stats and you just go, yep, okay, the Rebels absolutely dominated. And so a large part of the credit, I think, needs to go to the Rebels. I was trying to um, write down the players that I thought did quite well for the Rebels. Yeah. And I thought that a couple of the standouts, obviously Matt Tamua got a fair few plaudits because he had a couple of really nice clean line breaks. Um, he's kicking he his penalties yeah. on 19 points for the game. Um, and generally, like, he was just solid in defense. He, he just had a strong game. I don't think he was like as outstanding as everybody is saying yep. he was, but he was very good. Um, he did. He did what he needed to do. Like he did his basics. He wasn't. Um, he wasn't standing out as doing something freakish and unusual that you mm, we mm. sort of tend to see from the New Zealand games. But yep. he did the basics well. So he drove. He yeah. he um, led the line around really well. He straightened up the attack. He made some good line breaks, and he he was kicking all his points. So. Yeah, he did well. I thought um, Trevor Hosea starting at lock along with Matt Phillip, they were both very, very good. Um, They brought uh, control to the line out and they actually competed and disrupted the Waratahs line out very effectively. So the Waratahs only had 81% clean ball from the line out, whereas it was up well into these couple of rooms and the Rebels had 100% line out success. And that's that's been an area of strength for the Waratahs for the last few weeks. Particularly um, last week. Yeah, yeah, where we disrupted the Brumbies incredibly so. So it's, there's an interesting discussion going around social media at the moment about why lineouts have been so poor in both New Zealand and Australian rugby in these competitions. And there's some thought that because the teams are playing each other so often and so regularly, that the, they're just getting better at reading lineout moves and defensive lineout structures are proving. Uh, beyond the capacity that offensive lineup plays are being able to be Yeah, created. that's an interesting thought. I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah. It's like basically people have worked out how to more effectively defend and disrupt at lineouts, but they haven't yet worked out how to then get around that improved defense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's an interesting point. But 
I mean, I'm just trying to make sure that we frame this conversation of congratulations, Melbourne yeah. Rebels, you were better, not Waratahs, you sucked. It's your loss. The, the Rebels... Yeah, no, the, the Rebels definitely dominated this game and they dominated from the start. The points that the Waratahs scored in this game, apart from the penalty, so they scored one try that they converted and then they got a penalty, was yeah. an opportunistic try by Alex Newsom, who scored an intercept, which was unfortunate for the Rebels. So, yeah, they did do very well and they did score some really good points and they did um, dominate the whole game. Like, from start to finish, they were the dominant side. I yep. do want to dive into some of the refs calls that we were talking about before, before we sort of move off this game. And just in general, some of the frustrations that we're both having with this yep. sort of the refereeing standard of this Australian rugby comp. So I'll let you start and then I'll um, <laughs> dive in where I can. Yeah, I'll just say a couple of quick points. I mean, I found we, we were commenting last week in the Brumbies game and even Rob Penny was saying it after the match. He couldn't understand why the Waratahs scrum was dominant in the first half mm-hmm. and was receiving multiple scrum penalties awarded to the Waratahs. And yet, when the same things are happening early in the second half, the calls are going against the Waratahs. So the Brumbies are getting the penalty. Um, that was last week. This week, the there were multiple occasions where I disagreed with Angus Gardner's interpretation, but then again, he's a professional referee. So most of the time I'm going to back his calls over mine. Um, the one time note was early when I'm sat, Chris Talakai came on. So Chris Talakai. That wasn't early. To, it wasn't early, but it was within, it was within the second half. Yeah, and that's um, about the, um, the 52nd minute or something. Wonderful. Okay, because yep. I didn't have a timestamp for it. That's helpful. Um, so Chris Talakai comes on. There's a scrum kind of down our end of the field, um, as most of the game did. Down <laughs> the In the 22. And, um, the off. scrum goes down on the near side, and Gardner calls it for Talakai dropping his elbow. And so the scrum collapses, penalty to the... Yep. And I'm pretty sure it was on the Waratah's feed, or at the very least it who was, cares, yeah. The, the Rebels got it. And at the time, I was like, I didn't think that was Talakai's that went down first. And then so I played it back, went through it slowly and watched it multiple times. And it is 100% the Rebels prop no, who drops I, his elbow. I disagree. So at Ooh. first, I'm going to, I just want to say, I, I, when I was watching the game, I was of the same opinion. I thought, how can he penalize that? That's ridiculous. But going back and watching it, I do understand what Angus was um, penalizing him for. And the fact was that he had his bind in the wrong spot. So if you watch back, so as the prop, when he binds in the scrum, he needs to bind on the opposition sort of back above his, below sort of, yeah, below his shoulder. So it's further mm-hmm. back. He binds on his shoulder. So that what effectively that does is that his bind is pulling his shoulders down. So he's pulling... Yeah, okay. Well, if that's the call that he's making, then call it properly. Don't say that he's dropped his... um, That he's... That's what he said. He said you dropped your bind. You dropped your bind. And he was dragging Mm, the elbow. That's not what he said, but that's fine. I I understand what you're saying. So he drops his bind and he grabs... He's holding the jersey on the sleeve, which then results in the Rebels player being dragged down because he's not supporting the bind in the front row. Yeah, okay. I hear what you're saying there, but like he, that's not what he said at the time. I get that you've looked back at it, um, but he said something different to the yeah, call. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was frustrating as a Waratahs fan, but got Ugh. one reflection. And the other I one, was like, there was a couple of others where, um, like, I, I was just looking back through our message conversation, and there was I said the I won't read. I've all got them a I've got a there. big one that I want to say. 
<laughs> and I think this is where um, you're you're heading for the war, the, the rebels the try. No, this is before that. So in the first okay, half, okay, you go, you go, you right go. before a uh, little bit before halftime. I think we're looking at like the 35th minute. I don't have the exact. Oh no, sorry, 37 minute. I do have the timestamp. So there's a scrum. It's the rebels feed. Yep. It's on the Waratahs yep. sort of. I think it's a five meter line, maybe just up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Waratahs set that they they have the scrum. The Melbourne Rebels prop ends up lying down, face down on the floor, and Angus yep. has blown advantage to the Rebels. Yep. But all three Waratahs front row props are standing up still. So I have yep. no idea what he's blown the penalty for, other than the fact that they've gone completely... They, he's lost his, his feet. He's lying face down, which results mm. in the scrum collapsing. And yep. then Lawrence picks the ball up at the back of the, the scrum darts through and scores a try. Now that yep. just really upset me because it's just blatantly wrong. Now Angus yep. doesn't say what the penalty's for. He just holds his heart, hand up and says advantage rebels, yeah. but they're down and he's standing right there. So the penalty should have gone against the rebels and to the Waratahs for them collapsing and losing their feet. And then they don't score a try. Yep. And it's just like, and oh. you know what? And part of the frustration is we could spend like the next 15 minutes going through penalties that we thought were incorrect. Um, there were a couple of times where Hannigan was on the ball, had his hands on and then gets cleared out um, after having his hands on the ball and then gets penalised for playing the ball. Whilst not like he gets penalised when he's very clearly on the ball, hands on the yeah. ball and they're holding. So him. that's that's the other one. And these, the reason I wanted to bring these both up is because they both resulted in tries. So the first yeah. one I just spoke of, the second one is... Um, Corabetti's try right at the end. So the mm-hmm. breakdown prior to Corabetti picking the ball up and running through and scoring, Hannigan um, is coming back onside and he is get does get back onside. People might say he's offside, but no, he is onside. I've watched it. He comes <laughs> through as the tackler. There's no Rebels players over the top, so it's open. And he grab, goes straight for the ball and he's holding the ball. And he's he's got his hands on the ball for a good five seconds before he gets cleaned out by the Rebels. Now, that yep. should be a penalty to the Waratahs for not releasing on the ground. Instead, he penalizes, he penalizes or gives advantage to the Rebels for Hannigan not releasing. But he yep. survived the breakdown. He's the jackal. He deserved to be pen- He should deserve to be rewarded for that. And that just really upsets me that in this game, it seemed like Angus Gardner had a picture of what he was looking for, that the Waratahs were, were messy at the breakdown, were hard on the ball, and were not dominant in the scrum, and he penalised all day long about it, and a lot of the calls were wrong. I um, was, um, literally got the KO game up in front of me right now, <laughs> and as you were talking, because I was listening, don't worry, I'm just having a quick look at a couple of things. And as I've been going, I've seen three times in the three minutes I've been watching where Rebels players have not gone in behind the last feet when they're trying to clear out. Yeah. So like the, the, the Waratahs will get a dominant tackle. The supporting um, Rebels player is trying to get back to clear out and support and he can't actually get back on side. So he's not going through the gate properly. And I'm like to get called against us all the time but then again maybe i've confirmation bias about um, (laughs) my opinions here look i think i think there's a couple of things going on here and then we should probably move on yeah no we do we do need to move on um the entire time my general thought is that the waratahs have not had the strongest pack for a while and so there is this preconception or this um innate bias that I don't think the referees are intentionally bringing into their decision-making where they recognize that the Waratahs haven't had the strongest pack 
And so if there's something that goes wrong, they think that it's probably the Waratahs that have made the mistake. Um, I also wonder if the high penalty count over the first few rounds of the Super Rugby AU comp have resulted in the Waratahs getting picked on things for a little bit more. There were a couple of times when I was watching the game back this morning where we had offside calls caught against us and I'm gone frame by frame replay and just can't possibly see how it's offside. Um, and it's, it's just hard. So I think that there's a picture in the referee's mind and the Tars need to work incredibly hard over the next few weeks to try and change that picture. Otherwise, yeah. it's just going to stay the same. Well, Rob Penny did mention as well in the, in the post-match conference that um, he that the Waratahs team and the coaching staff had been in contact with Rugby Australia and the referees team to try and get a little bit more of an understanding of what Hooper needs to do to get more reward. Because there mm. was a lot of the time last week in, as well that Hooper had come from onside and won the breakdown, got the steal and was penalised. And yep. yeah, it's just it seems like they do have this picture in their mind. So I don't know. Um, the other thing that I've got as a thought in my head is we've been ref by Angus, I think, in our last four games. So we probably, we probably need a new ref just to see how things go. Yeah. But, Anyway, the Waratahs also, in fairness, they didn't adapt. So they didn't make the effort to get back when they were being penalised for offside. They weren't making that effort to take that extra half a step. I wonder if they were trying to make the effort, but the 75% possession and territory was tiring them down and it is the capacity. Yeah, but they're professional rugby players. Like that's, that's simple stuff. Yeah, but you don't expect to go up for 75% territory and possession against. Like The fitness levels required for that, you can understand if the time they're starting to get... Um, yeah. worn down and just can't do those small things that are trying they would normally be able to do if they hadn't had to defend for so long. Yeah, but the, the thing too is that as a, as a leader in a rugby team, you know that you're getting pinged for it a lot. Mm. And we got mm. two yellow cards for repeated offside. So um, you would be saying, just take that extra step, guys. I know you're tired, but just take that step. And they didn't and they gave away so many. So yeah. Um, Don't you feel bad for Jed Holloway? He was on oh. the field for about 40 seconds before he got his yellow card. But if you, I did go back and watch that today as well. And he is very clearly offside. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's, it was so, he's just standing there like this, like with his arms up. And like, what are you doing, Jed? Anyway, <laughs> um, that's, we need to move on to the next one. So we really do. Um, yeah. yeah. Unfortunate night for the Waratahs. Hopefully next week we can beat the bye. But as we saw the performance this week, I doubt it. <laughs> Bit yeah, of a joke, we'll bit of a joke there. Um, anyway, no, I enjoyed it, and I was playing it straight because it is really. I'm not sure how we'll come out the other side of it, so we'll see. <laughs> we might get a few injuries in there. <laughs> yep. uh, so game two was played in Leichhardt Oval in Sydney. So this was the first home game of the Western Force for the year, and mm-hmm. because of the whole COVID situation, it was played in Sydney, which is sort of becoming the new Super Rugby AU hub. Uh, the Rebels and Force playing out of Sydney. That's true, yeah. So we've got three teams based in Sydney at the moment. But I, I didn't actually get to watch the whole game of this one. I saw the highlights. I saw yeah, bits I and pieces. Um, didn't look like the Force did too well. Final score was 24-0 to the Brumbies. So yeah. our picks before we dive into the actual chat. So, um, Ando, you picked the Brumbies by 10. I said by 7. We had... Uh, Carlos said Brumbies by 15 and Brian said Brumbies by 14. So I think Carlos gets the chocolates in this one. Well done, mate. Well done. I'll bring you to work on Monday. (laughs) Um, So basically my take from this was, it was interesting. 
the the force were not as bad as 24 nil looks um i was taking some notes after having watched the game and i've got this list here and my general thoughts were it was pete samu's best game it was Wright's best game. It was Rob Valentini's best game. It was Ire Simone's best game. Um, <laughs> the the Brumbies just had players really stand up. Yep. And their first two tries in the first six minutes of the game were just Wright being exceptional as a winger with pace, but also Pete Samu demonstrating why it's so important to have a number eight that can, hold, can keep control of the ball at the back of a moving mm. scrum. Yeah. But then, it up, have the power to ride the contact and then the soft hands to get the offload away in that contact. Um, the power and was, the soft hands. Love it. Yeah, we should, that's a trademark, power. And, he, um, he was exceptional. Uh, we sometimes do a disservice to Pete Samu by not mentioning him and for the Brumbies, but <laughs> this was, I think, his standout game of the competition. Yeah, he did do very well was, this week. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Ire Simone had a couple of fantastic 50-22s. Um, his kicking game was on point tonight, so he was doing very, yeah, he's very all, well. Yeah, he's done all, he's done very well since moving down to Canberra. He was in the Waratahs set up a few years ago and just never really went anywhere and didn't progress. Um, but now that he's moved down to Canberra, he's, he's moving up leaps and bounds. So it's, it's good to see that a player of his standard, the same as Will Miller as well. Will Miller yep. scored a really good try in the second half early in the second half in the 42nd minute. So it's good to see that these guys are, they're New South Wales born and bred, but they're getting some good super rugby experience down in Canberra. It's a little bit worrying when you think about it. Um, when you've got like Will Miller, you've got Eri Simone, you've got um, Angus Tavo as well, who yep. went over to New Zealand and then became an All Black. After well, he, being a black. he came over here from there. So, well, yes, yeah, so, but my point is, my point is he was pretty poor at the Waratahs. He yes. was not good at the Waratahs. And then they go somewhere else and they become better players. Yeah. I wonder if that's saying something negative about the development systems at the Tars over the last few years. But again, we've brought back another game to the Tars. So. <laughs> Far out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. We're sorry, everybody. Let's go. Let's keep talking about the game. Yeah, obviously the Brumbies were very dominant in this game. 24 unanswered points. Kept the, the Western Force out. I only saw the highlights and from that it's basically just the tries that the Brumby scored and not much else. I do I did want to say the second try um mm. that Pete Samu set up. I thought that yeah. was a forward pass actually. Yeah. If you go back and hard. watch it, he yep. he throws it forward and it's not flat, it's forward. It's at the back of his hand, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not um anyway, they scored a good try. It was a good good hit out for them and i do that does just sort of cement themselves as the leading the leaders of this competition yeah and what i think the brumbies did tonight really well was they in those first couple of tries they demonstrated their capacity for um strike plays and to actually be scoring tries and being dangerous not just from the line out um, and then a rolling. So it was really impressive to see them um, be able to execute off quick turnover ball. Well, the first one was a scrum and then the other one was quick turnover ball yep. and then spread it wide and got dry. So that was really, really good just to see the Brumbies um, just broaden the way that they did things. Yeah, and, and their support lines as well are really good. So mm -hmm. when they made those breaks, there was always two or three defend, uh, yeah, supporting players there as an option to offload to which is really good to see because you often in that situation that the players that will make a break will get isolated and get tackled and lose the ball. But yep. they didn't get tackled, first of all. And if they did, they had two players that were right on the hip to be able to, to 
to steal that and to keep the ball and, and win the, the breakdown. So good. They're looking like a really good side. I think that Rob Valentini, like I mentioned before, had probably his best game this season as well. And what really impressed me was the kind of ferocity of his defense. He was hitting people hard and driving them back. But when he was carrying, he was also making meters through contact. So be able to ride the tackle, then kind of pump the legs and get maybe a meter or two more after that, which is pretty tough. And I just wonder if we, if he has not been considered enough for potential Wallaby six later mm. on in the year, if he can perform, yeah, he's a big brain, tall, he's mobile, but he's also very physical, and that's those those are kind of all the attributes you really need in a six. Um, so I just wonder if maybe Liam Wright isn't sealed at number six. Um, and whether or not we might end up seeing Rob Valentini at least make his way into the training squad. Yeah, who knows? I, I don't envy the, the Wallaby selectors at the moment. There's a fair few players who are putting their hands up. Like there's a lot yeah. of players coming through that under-20s team last year that are really pushing for higher honours and, and doing really well and standing out. So yeah. it's difficult to know whether you give them the spot and, and hope that they that they just embrace the the higher level or give them time to develop into it. So definitely wouldn't be pushing wouldn't wanting to be on that panel and in, in those conversations one of the um the, the kind of main summary comment i had for this game was that both forward packs are actually incredibly strong so the western force were very very good in a forward play probably up until the last 15 to 20 minutes of the game where their reserves were just not of the same caliber as the brumbies and their scrums started to get dominated a bit in the last few minutes of the game um but what the brumbies were able to do because uh, there were lots of periods of this game where it was a forwards grind. There yeah. was just lots of hard collisions, lots of pick and drives, lots of trying, because it was really wet. They're just trying to keep it tight and batter away. And the force held their own and were incredibly committed. But what the Brumbies seemed to demonstrate better was an ability to execute more efficiently off turnover ball um, and have the skill set in their outside backs use of that turnover ball or the little half chances that they got. I thought that the force 12 and 13, um, I think it's Tef Tafu and Braki, mm-hmm. um, the American, the USA player, they, I just didn't think they were particularly good this game in comparison to the Brumbies, who had Simone and Kurindrani. We interplaying really well with Tom Wright and Solomon Akata as well. Yeah, well I, thought, just... I thought we saw um, Tavita Kurindrani back at his sort of old barn running, barnstorming self, which was good to see. Yeah. There was a number of times that he just took the ball up and just ran it straight and messed up some yeah. players. So it's good to see that they're going back to that because last week against the Tars, he had a very quiet game and he didn't stand out. And we both noticed that we hadn't really seen him do much. Mm. One last point before we um, move off this game as well, I just wanted to say that they're, um, the Brumbies replacement number 10, um, Bailey Kernzel, I thought he did really well. Like, Yep. He, they didn't seem to miss Noel Alessio at all. So it's mm-hmm. good for them to know that they've got a player of his talent as well as a backup. So that yep. if they did, because I was a little bit worried to see how they would cope without Alessio because he's been driving that back line around so well. But yeah, it didn't seem to have any effect and they did put in such a good performance and they were making some really good breaks and making some good meters up through the middle. I want to say one final broader comment about the commentating in this game and the uh, Tars game. So there has been a whole bunch, because Australian rugby fans like to whinge, um, a whole bunch of, in my opinion, pretty fair criticism labelled at the Fox Sports commentary team. 
Yep. Um, particularly uh, our good friend, Phil Kearns, um, friend of the pod, I'm sure. And he, <laughs> he has been targeted significantly for being really morose, really negative, always talking up private school connections of all of the super rugby players. And um, if you want to see a really good article about this, look at um, Will... Uh, it was on Green and Gold Rugby. What's the... I, I don't, I don't know. His name, uh, uh, Will Cavill. Um, he has a really good article about it. But basically, I thought that the commentating for the Force Brumbies game was fantastic, and I think a large part of that has to go down to Andrew Swain. Yeah, he did who, a really good job. Fox. Yeah, yeah. So he was calling this game um, instead and one, of one thing he does really well that I noticed that he gets excited. Yes, it's like Sean yeah. Maloney as well when he was calling the World Cup. They just get so excited and, and get into it. They know the yep. players as well. They don't get the names wrong. They get excited, and they just have good chat to say. Like yep. it's exciting exactly. to listen to. It's not just oh, and then Qatar scores. And the thing that I liked about it was that he kind of kept um, Kafer and Kearns in their box a little bit when they were starting to natter on um, about other things. He'd be like, all right, guys, keep, keep your handbags in. Let's go. This is what's happening in the game. And he'd just make light of it and then just keep commentating. And so it just added a bit of levity to the game. It wasn't mm. so dour because a lot of the time... Um, Kearns will identify, sometimes correctly, mind you. He's, he's, um, I just want to say, Kearns he's got a good have, rugby brain. Yeah, he's forgotten more about rugby than I'll probably ever learn about rugby. Um, he does know what he's talking about, but for some reason, so much of what he says is negative. And in this particular game on Saturday night, that was not the case in general. And I think a large part of that goes down to Andrew Swain. So well done, Swainy. Um, yeah, great to hear. Really him. hope he gets more opportunities to be commentating. Yeah, and that's the other thing too. Like Fox Sports is so set on these guys as their commentary lineup, but why not just shake it up a bit? It'd be great to see some of these younger blokes coming through and and getting a real crack because they have the knowledge and they have the passion and the drive and they get into the games as well. It's great to hear Mm -hmm. these guys calling it. So yeah, I'd love to hear some more younger blokes like this having a, a call in the future. Well, why don't we finish our games chat there on that positive uh, note? Just before we move off of the Australian games, there's one other quick thing that I wanted to say that's been sort of bugging me for the last few weeks. And again, it goes down to the refereeing. And one thing that has been a constant sort of gripe of mine with this Australian competition is the breakdown. The referees are just not refereeing the breakdown at all. And it's really frustrating. They're allowing players to come in off their feet and seal the ball off nearly every single breakdown for both sides and in both games had this. So the players, the say that it's the Waratahs and the Rebels, the Rebels have the ball. The player goes to ground. They've got two players who come straight over the top, go off their feet and are supporting their body weight with their hands on the ground. Now that's incorrect. That's a penalty for sealing the ball off. But mm. they don't pull it up. And it makes it very hard for the defending team to counter ruck and to try and keep the contest open. And then what we end up seeing is players coming in at angles to try and dislodge them because they're not actually perched on their feet. They're sort of lopsided. Yep. And then we get this mess of the breakdown and the ball either gets stuck in there or the referee doesn't really know what's happening, but will blow a penalty because it just looks like a mess. And the fact is, if you clean that up, if you stop them sealing the ball off and you start penalizing it for the first two or three breakdowns, they'll stop doing it. They'll clean it up. We'll get much cleaner breakdown will get much faster ball as well because the ball doesn't get stuck in there. Now, if you look at the New Zealand games, they did have this issue in the first two or three games of the rounds because 
the players were doing that, but they penalized it. And so the players now have stopped doing that. And they, and now you see that they will, they'll have a player come in and defend and be on over the, over the ball, but they don't go off their feet. And if they do, they penalize it straight away. But that means that the defending team only contests the breakdown if they know they're going to have an opportunity to steal the ball. So it ends up with a much faster game and a much faster flow. And that's because the referees have refereed the breakdown properly. Now they did. And I think I was hoping for that at the start of the competition because we saw the example from. Well, Ate that's Roa. that's also then, what they said that they were going to be doing, and they're not. And it's just it's just so frustrating. I just don't know why they're not. They're focusing maybe on other things. Because of the outcry that happened in the first couple of weeks about the number of penalties in Aotearoa is that they're now they they avoided that because they didn't want the same complaints to be leveled at the Australian competition. But actually, it's having is having a bit of a negative impact. But the, there are a lot of penalties being blown in these games. But the second game this week, so the Brumbies and the Force, actually had more penalties blown overall than the, the Waratahs and the Rebels. Oh, okay. So the penalty count in that game was 13 to 12. Yep. And in the Waratahs game, it was 17 to 9. So mm. Okay, mate, let's move on. Anyways, let's get to New Let's move on. on. Cool, we're going to move into the New Zealand game now. Let's go. Let's go. So now we move to the New Zealand games this week. We move across the ditch for round seven of New Zealand Aotearoa. And the first game this week was played in Christchurch where the Crusaders host the Hurricanes. And we had an upset. The Canes got up. They broke you. the Crusaders. You. Huge, huge outcome. They broke the Crusaders. Um, oh, I've had a mind blank. What's the word? Uh, unbeaten streak. streak. Unbeaten streak. That's the word. Yeah, they've beaten the unbeaten streak. So, <laughs> our picks for this game. So, Ando, you said Crusaders by six. I said Crusaders by 14. We had Carlos said Crusaders by three, and Brian said Crusaders by 17. Carlos. So, we all got it wrong. We're all wrong. I we're don't know wrong. if you get chocolates when we're all wrong. No, um, I think you have to. Um, you can't get double chocolates. You got last week, last game's chocolates. So, <laughs> yeah, you can't get chocolates if you don't pick the right team. Yeah, you can't just get the margin. <laughs> so, um, final score 34 32 to the Canes. Yeah. Now, did you watch this game in full? No, not in full. I've watched the highlights, then I went back and watched a little bit of the KO Mini. Yeah, cool. So I don't think we're going to spend too much time on either of these games because neither of us have caught all of them. That's okay. We watched the Australian games. Yep. Um, I think when I was watching the highlights last night when I got home from a dinner, I audibly gasped and started laughing when George Bridge <laughs> scored his try. Like, How good was that? Night. It was incredible. Severis's pass goes to his feet. He like just kicks it on in front of him. And it's just perfect for him to go what in. What a crazy pass, first of all. Like, the way it was going, I thought it was going to go over the sideline above his head. Yeah. And then the next yeah. minute, it finds finds ground at his feet. I was like, wow, he's just, like, lobbed it. Yep. Um, if Geordie Barrett got 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19 points in this game. That's absolutely massive. Um, Richie Mwanga, on the other hand, got 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11... 14, 17. So it's pretty impressive how much of an impact the Moanga and Barrett have, both from yeah. the boot. Moanga also with his running ability. He's been on fire the last few games. Surely he is the starting 10 for the All Blacks. Moanga? Oh, he'd have to be. I, yes. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know who else you would name. No one else oh, really comes Barrett. close. It'd be Barrett, maybe. Um, oh, I think you he'd be at 15. You'd be okay. He'd be at 15, though. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Anything you, you want to say about this, apart from well done, Canes getting up over the Crusaders? 
um, ending that streak. I just love to see the this Crusaders team has to be one of the best in the last few years. Like I know they've I know that they've always had a good side and they've always done really well, but mm. the sort of um, rugby tr- it's almost like tricks that they're pulling out week after week. It's just incredible. So Mawanga scored re- nearly scored regathered that kickoff last week, and then we see oh, this yeah. try by George yeah. Bridge this week. It's like mm-hmm. every time they play, we're going to see some amazing replay. It's crazy. Yep. Um, yeah, I just, just I'm really that. enjoying watching them, and I've got to say I'm really really impressed with Sebi Reese, and I do think that he's fast becoming my favourite New Zealand player. Yeah, I think so. He brings this excitement and dynamism into the way that he plays, um, which is just wonderful to watch. the The Crusaders are both a controlled and incredibly attacking team in terms of kind of the excitement that they can just kind of flick on at the flick of a switch. Yeah. Um, but yeah. full credit to the Canes for getting up over them. That's a massive effort. Oh, and I think we're so well. This... Like they, they yeah. just hung in there the whole game and they just yep. kept pushing. One of the other points I've had here that I uh, wanted to say was that, and my, my wife, Bryony actually noticed this when she came in and was watching the replay. She's like, they're just, the players are always set and ready to go. Yep. So in the, it was in the last like 15 minutes of the game, but the, um, the Canes were really close down to the Crusaders' try line and they ended up scoring. But the Crusaders were on the line and probably five and six players out from the breakdown were all set in that kind of low to the ground, like they're about to take off for a sprint sort of position, set to make the tackle. Now, mm. if you go to Australia, we don't seem to have that as much, that urgency and that um, pressure to get set and be ready for anything. That you see players sort of two or three out, they're kind of just standing there. They're like, well, they're probably going to go close and they're not going to come to me. And then if they do, they're not ready and they just run straight through them through a soft tackle. So, yeah, I, that's another example, again, of New Zealand being that extra level ahead of us is that they've just got this passion and drive to do and succeed. And they're always just ready to go. Yep. And I think what we... One, one of the dangers... And some of the problems that we have, I think, because we talk about both the Australian and New Zealand games, is that inevitably there's that comparison between the two competitions. Yeah. And I just, I'm not too sure how helpful it is for the Australian competition for us to constantly compare ourselves to the pinnacle of rugby at the moment, which is yeah. New Zealand rugby. Um, we, you don't really get that in the English Premiership competition. You don't get them comparing themselves to the um, Pro 14 or even the Top 14. So that's kind of the other European the other um, like the Welsh, yeah. the Irish, Scottish, or the French teams. Um, you don't get that type of comparison um, on a weekly basis. So I just, like, it's awesome to be able to watch and celebrate the, the, the incredible plays and the great game New Zealand um, does produce. I just get a little bit frustrated, um, not at your comments, but at general comments where yeah. they're like, oh, and therefore the Australian competition sucks. And I'm like, oh, oh no. no. Yes. And you can't expect the Australian teams to be on teams. Aside from the, the Brumbies and maybe the Rebels, the other teams are going through a massive period of renewal. Um, the Reds are probably further along. Well, they're definitely further along than the Tars. And the Force, this is the first time they've played Super Rugby since 2017. Um, and, Global and they're doing Rugby, well. Like they're, yeah, apart they're, from they're last night, last night was the first time we saw a, a fair big blowout of a score but they're hanging mm. in there yeah and even when you watch last night's game they weren't that bad the um the brumbies were just more clinical in their execution yeah um so my point is new zealand comp was great and i'm actually really looking forward to going back and watching crusaders 
um, Kane's game, but I'm just trying to avoid drawing comparison between that and the yeah, Australian. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I do agree that we've got two separate comps. I, I do acknowledge the fact that New Zealand is above Australia. It's always going to be. That's fine. But that doesn't disregard the Australian comp. I love watching the Australian derbies and I would be happy just watching Australian teams play each other week in, week out. That's what I'm pushing for as a domestic comp going forward. I'm happy not to not watch New Zealand play anymore. Like I would, yep. I, I honestly would not watch the New Zealand derbies if I didn't have to. So, <laughs> well, um, why don't we move on to the second game now? Before we actually talk about the match between the Blues and the Chiefs, um, we last week accidentally read out the wrong um, fixture <laughs> the following week, so we apologise. Yeah, but so we predicted Blue- we put our predictions in for next week's game. So the the Highlanders host the Blues next weekend. We put our predictions in last week for that game. We must have looked ahead by accident, so apologies. But basically, the Blues played the Chiefs, and the game has just finished, and the Blues have got up 21-17 to 17 over the Chiefs. Um, we really, again, feel gutted for the Chiefs. That's 7 nil, or 6 nil, because they would have had a bye. 6-0 um, to the Chiefs. They just have not won a game at all this competition, and I'm not sure if they're going to. So, Well, from um, here on out, they, they probably won't. Like you, you can't say that you can't completely write a team off in the New Zealand comp, as we Mm. saw today. Everyone was assuming the the Crusaders would down the Canes by a lot, and they won. So we might see them get up. They've been close in the past; they just haven't been able to get over that line. Uh, But really, it does not look good for for Chiefs fans. Yeah, that's and that's one other thing I just wanted to briefly say. Before, did you have anything else you wanted to say about my brief um, comment was for this game is that. Um, The Chiefs are not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. And it wouldn't surprise me if they get one or two wins before the end of the competition. But obviously, based on form, they won't. But they're good enough that I would be hoping that they can snag a win just because imagine going through the entire competition. Well, the Force Um, kind of look like they might, unfortunately, get that. And the Waratahs may only get one. So They play the Force again, so that... Oh, that's true. Someone's yeah, yeah. going to win that game. <laughs> <laughs> maybe the force will win and it'll just be like one each. Maybe, maybe. Um, anything you want to say on this game? Well, if we just look forward for the Chiefs, they play the Hurricanes. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, next week they play the Crusaders. So then don't see them winning oh. that one. Then they play the Hurricanes and then they have a bye. So they've got two games left. to um, Yeah. And then and against the two top teams. Yeah. I don't think we're going to get it, unfortunately. Mm. Mm. Ah, d- Anyway, before we move off this topic and into our predictions, I, last week we were talking about um, the kind of bad sportsmanship that has been around in New Zealand and them booing Bowden Barrett. So yep. Bowden Barrett has actually come out this week and said something about it. And that he's... Oh, did he? Yeah, so he was actually really disappointed by it. He said yep. he felt gutted the fact that he's put so much effort and years into that franchise and to sign another team and come back and play that they would boo him like that. He found mm. it very... Um, unheart- disheartening and he said he doesn't like booing in general he finds it very embarrassing every when he'd be playing Australian teams that would come over to New Zealand and the crowd would boo them and he just yep. says I don't think this needs to be in our game and I, I'm 100% behind him in that I find it completely disrespectful that they would boo him um, That I just don't think booing is in our sport at all leave it for NRL or soccer or some other like game that just doesn't have 
respect and value yeah. in it. I'm, I'm reading a quote from him right now. I think it's pretty poor to be fair. I've never been a fan of it. When we've had Australian teams play in New Zealand at recent times, whenever that's happened, I just cringe. There's no place for that in rugby New Zealand. Good words. Well said, Yeah, Gordon. exactly. So again, yeah, I feel I've, it's, it's harsh um, and it's unfair and I don't think he deserves that. So yeah. Well, mate, he echoes your uh, passionate comments from last week. Well said. Cool. All right, let's move on to our predictions. So we won't put this into another segment. We'll just wrap things up from here. So yeah, for um, Australian Rugby, so Super, Super Rugby, Rugby AU next week, Waratahs have a bye. So fingers crossed we'll, that we can yeah. get a win there. Um, be yep. Game one sees the Force host the Rebels. Don't know where again, possibly in I Leichhardt. Think it's, it's going to be Leichhardt. Leichhardt's their home ground. For yeah. The force. Yep. Oh, that's crazy, isn't it? That they're not going to get home at all, it looks like. Yep. Um, so who are you going for for this one? Um, I think the Rebels will come out on top. Um, I think that their forward pack showed enough to be able to compete really effectively with the force. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, I'm just not that confident in the outside backs, like 12 and 13 for force. Okay. Yep. Um, and I think that the Rebels just have a bit more class um, overall throughout their yep. back line um, and their forwards will match it. With. So I think the Rebels will come out on top by... 10. 10. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I sort of echo those, those points. I don't think that the force on, it's a big ask for them to, to do this. They've, they've been in, away from home for so long. Um, they're playing in a completely foreign, uh, foreign game uh, ground like I'd over in Sydney. So yeah. Yeah. they've had a big, big game this weekend. I don't see them sort of backing it up and getting up for this one, but um, who knows? I, I think it probably will be a little bit tighter than what you suggested. I do think the Rebels have it in them to, to put in another good performance. But mm-hmm. again, like the Waratahs, they've been a bit hot and cold over the last few years. So I think they'll scrape through, but I'm only going to go by five. Yeah, okay, cool. And then the second game of the round is the Brumbies versus the Reds. The Brumbies playing at home. Um, what's your call on this one, Mitch? I really feel like this one's going to be the final of the Super Rugby comp this year. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a good game. I'm hoping for a dry track and I'm hoping that it's going to be a game of the sort of level of the Reds and the Force last week because that was a cracker of a game. Yeah, um, so I'm going to go with the Brumbies. I think they will edge out the Reds. They do mm-hmm. have that little bit more of a settled team. They've got that experience, especially their set piece. So when they get that, um, that line out more going, it's very hard to, to pull down and they score a lot of points yep. off that. So I'm going to say the Brumbies, but I don't think it's going to be too much. I'm going to say Brumbies by three. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm going to go Brumbies by five. Okay. Uh, I think it is going to be close. I was just thinking about the capacity of the Reds to be negating the line out for the Brumbies, like the Waratahs did last week. And then I was thinking, well, it's Angus Scott Young and Lucan Salakailoto. So ex- neither of them have been playing lock that much over the last yeah. 12 months. Um, unless maybe Angus Blythe is back from injury, but I haven't heard anything about that yet. And either way, he's not hugely experienced either. Um, so I think that the Brumbies set piece will be stronger, although I'm really excited to see the scrum battle here, um, to see Taniela Tupo and see how he goes. Uh, I wonder if James Slipper will be back from what I assume was an enforced um, rest yeah. after his injury last week. So it's going to be a really, really good game. So you're by three and I'm by five, both Brumbies. That's correct. Okay, so we move great. across now, across to the ditch. The first game of the New Zealand comp next week sees the Hurricanes host the Crusaders. I'm going to go with the Crusaders on this one because I just think that they're a team that is... Hurricanes just... versus Crusaders, mate. That was this week. 
Was that? Yeah, they just played. Oh, <laughs> we just talked did. about that game. <laughs> we need to get the right fixtures Chiefs, up, my friend. Chiefs Crusaders, sorry. Okay, Chiefs and cool. Crusaders. Yep, Chiefs versus Crusaders. Um, what's your call on this one? I'm sure I can guess. Crusaders, as we said before, I just don't think the Chiefs are, are going to do it this, this year. Um, they've been close a few times, but they just don't seem to have it. And the fact that they're now seven or six or seven nil, um, it's going to be such a mental barrier to get up and get over the, the competition leaders. So I do think the Crusaders will do this by seven. Yeah, I think that that's sounding about right. And then the other game, which is the next day, uh, is the Highlanders versus the Blues. Um, and this is going to be a pretty tight one. Um, I'm thinking that the Blues will pip it. Oh, I probably should have picked the... Um, oh, who did you have for your last one? Oh, did Crusaders? I say? Um, I don't think I said. So Crusaders, I reckon they're going to get up by a fair bit. Uh, I reckon by 12. 12, Okay. Yep, and then for Blues versus Highlanders, I'm reckoning Blues by about eight. Yep, that's what you said last week. So we're sticking with that. And I said said 10, and I'm going to stick with that as well. Okay, sounds good. Cool. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week. Yeah, let's do it. I can hear my children in the background, so I've got to get out there. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to have someone bust through the door very soon. All good. All right. Well, um, thanks for joining us this week, everybody. That's another episode of the Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast done. And we will catch you all next week. See ya. Jimmy, say hi. <laughs> See you guys. Have Bye. a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. You can follow us on social media at the following outlets. Follow our Facebook page at Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. Send us a tweet at, at pick underscore drive rugby. Follow our Instagram at pick underscore drive underscore rugby or send us an email at pickanddriverugby at gmail.com we'd love to hear any questions or feedback you may have so get in touch thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week